things will work out, right? You'll have things and you'll, if you take a positive attitude, if you keep an open mind, if you stay curious, um, people will find a way to remember you and you'll find a way to figure out what you want to do. Hello, and welcome to the Dactronics Experience Podcast. We're back with another special edition podcast sharing the Women in Sports online event with Alicia Longworth. Alicia is the Executive Associate Athletics Director of External Operations for the University of Tennessee. She shares her experience of working in the SEC with a focus on keeping fans coming back for more. Hi there, um, my name is Diane Gonzalez and I am happy to serve as today's moderator uh, for a discussion that I have been looking so forward to ever since I met Alicia Longworth. Um, she's just a, a force and a great personality and I can tell you that she and I are kindred spirits. So um, I feel like this is gonna be a really, really great conversation. I'm really, really looking forward to it. So, um, and before we get to our chat with Alicia. I want to introduce another powerhouse woman in um, the industry. Sarah Rose has spent the last 20 years working in tech the technology industry as the Vice President of Global Services here at Dactronics. Um, she oversees the technical and professional services function of the business and actually our Women in Sports Forum is her brainchild. So um, Sarah, if you don't mind, give us a little bit of insight why you felt like it was important for us to, to continue to do this and to continue to, to have these conversations. Yeah. So I bounced this idea past Diane probably about a year ago saying, I'd like to create a forum where many of us can come together and have conversations as women in the sports industry, women in technology. And we'd like to invite all different types of people to come and speak in different careers that they might have from everywhere we won't go from our high schools and our ADs at large high schools in Texas to our college to our professional sports. We really think that these women have amazing stories to tell and we want to be a part of helping to capture those and share that with our customers and our friends. So that's really the start of this. And it has been absolutely one of the joys of my career. So um, I love having these conversations. I love having the opportunity to lead them. So Sarah, thank you so much for your kind of vision and, and wisdom here and, and really allowing us to, to do this. So um, moving along, we're going to um, start talking to Alicia. And I want to give you a little bit of background before we move on. I mentioned earlier that she is the ex executive, I'm going to peek at my notes a little bit, but the executive <laughs> associate athletic, athletic director of external operations at the University of Tennessee. Very, very impressive title, I will say. Um, at Tennessee, Alicia has chaired the Brand Advancement Committee, um, which was responsible for the development of Tennessee Athletics Comprehensive Five-Year Strategic Plan, Rise Glorious, which was published in July of 22. I think I got that right, right? Prior to her time at Tennessee, she also served as Associate Athletic Director of Marketing, Gator Vision, and Creative Media at the University of Florida. During her time there, she was responsible for lifting up their men's basketball program, which is close to my heart, which you'll hear more about later. And she also oversaw Gator Vision, which is another element that is so close to my heart for obvious reasons. So I just want to say, I can't wait for this talk. Um, she is, you are, I will address you, you are a, a true visionary and appreciate all the work and appreciate so much you taking the time um, to talk to us today. I know you're, you mentioned that you are 
doing something spectacular right now. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, Alicia. I don't want to blow anything, any surprises. So we know that you're in a busy spot doing some busy work, busy stuff, right? Yes. Well, thank you all for having me. Um, I was actually thrilled to to be invited. Um, I'm in Orlando. I'm preparing for our, our football team's bowl trip. Um, so it's been a little bit of a whirlwind, 36 hours, as it always is when you find out your your bowl location um, and then to pull it all together. So um, I'm in a conference room in the Citrus Bowl talking to you all right now. So um, exciting stuff and, and happy to be here. Well, we are we are so excited to have you. I didn't know. So coming from the the professional side of of team sports, I didn't know. Like sometimes when you start planning stuff like that, you're not allowed to mention it. It's like it, it's it's like a um, a jinx, if you will. So not to jinx you, but I, I'm I'm hopeful for good things ahead. And and thank you for taking time because I know it has to be a really really busy time um, for you. So the, of course, the really happy to be thing, here. All right. First thing I want to know, though, and, and I will tell you, we talked a little bit when we first met about kind of my journey versus your journey. Why sports? How did you end up in sports? Yeah, so um, I think what I, I mentioned to you is I, I played sports growing up, but it was more just to be a part of the team and to have the activity. Uh, my brother was definitely the athlete in the family. Um, I, I just loved being a part of a team and, and being the around and making the friendships and everything. But my love of sports really grew from from my brother and how competitive he was and how much he invested in it. Um, he played baseball. Um, he was a, a very, very good baseball player. And I think I told you, I can't remember a summer in my childhood. I was not sitting at a baseball field. So um, truthfully, my my first into well, I went to Virginia Tech. Um, I did my undergraduate work there. Um, great university, great place. Um, but my first internship was actually in minor league baseball. Because um, again, I when I got to college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, got an opportunity there. But as I was going back for my junior year, I'd also gotten an, an internship in athletics at Virginia Tech. Um, and the rest is history. I, I worked for some great people there in Blacksburg that um, just sparked my interest, sparked my passion, um, started on the marketing side of things. Um, and if you've never been to a football game or or even a basketball game in, in Blacksburg, um, their fan base is passionate. They love sports. Um, it was so fun. And just to see the community come together and rally um you know, my junior year, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I got to find a way to figure this out. So I got, got very lucky, very blessed that when I graduated, I worked there for three years um, and then took an opportunity at the University of Florida. Um, thought I would go down there for a couple of years. I would learn for from what I thought were some of the best in the business and then move on. But 11 years later, I was still there. Um, I was still it has been an exciting time in Knoxville since I've gotten here. So, um, yeah, my, my journey's been, you know, unique and awesome and, and a lot of really good things along the way. How proud is your brother of you? Uh, well, it's actually funny because um, he still lives in our hometown, which is like 3,000 people. Um, he married his high school sweetheart. Um, he teaches and coaches baseball and softball. And he loves to tell everybody, like, I went and got the cool job. Um, like I'm the one that like made their career in athletics. Um, but he, I have been his best friend. He has been my best friend. He is probably my biggest supporter. So um, he is very proud of me. That is That's, probably an understatement. 
That is so great to hear and so unbelievable. So I want to start out like kind of with the big picture, because both at Tennessee and at Florida, you have been included and a part of some pretty big visionary steps, right? So first off, like, what's it like to sit down and go, okay, what's the vision? It's a big deal. What's the vision of athletics for this university? Like, wh- what goes through your mind when you're working on something like that? And, yeah. and, and go ahead, go ahead. I- So again, I grew up in a town of about 3,000 people. Uh, You know, I work in a football stadium now that we get 101,000 people in there. Our basketball arena seats 20,000 people. So we're bringing small cities to life every event that we do, which is like, you know, 100 times the size of where I grew up. So um, it's sometimes a little mind blowing to me in the conversations that I'm in and the things that we do. You know, I, I think I told you this also, you know, the entertainment side of things, the fan experience side of things is truly more like a hobby to me than like my actual job. Now, the administrative work and the budget work and the leading people and the motivating people, that that's the job. Um, but being able to sit down and talk creatively about what we want to bring to life for our fans and for our student athletes and for our teams that's the stuff that is just so exciting to me and thrilling, right? Because every place is different, right? What I did in Gainesville is not going to work in Knoxville. What we do in Knoxville is not going to work in in Athens or, you know, wherever it may be. And so finding what is unique to our fan base, um, finding the things that they just love, um, getting the whole group to buy into it and do it. It's just, it's so exciting. It's so much fun. I had a I had a boss once who likened it what what I did because I it, for those of you who don't know I worked for many many years in entertainment on the team side of things and I had a boss once tell me that it, it was like throwing a party for twenty two thousand people every night so you're throwing parties for like four times that every <laughs> single night so I mean. Do you ever feel like you have so much responsibility towards the the teams that are out on the field to keep that energy going? Yeah, it's funny. Um, again, we I'm, I'm in Orlando for a bowl game, but um, our men's basketball team has been on the road for probably two and a half, three weeks. And they've played three top 15 teams in a row and they come home and play Illinois on Saturday. And, you know, it, Illinois ranked and it just hit me last night of like, man, we need to make sure the building is special Saturday. And I know everybody that is working on it is doing it, but I had not specifically asked the question of, hey, what do we have planned for Saturday, right? How do we feel about the students? Like what, you know, give me all the information and let's just quickly chat through it so that, um, again, when we build special environments for our teams, it gives them a better chance to compete. And, you know, for fans that are walking into the venue, it's it's memories they might carry for a lifetime. But, you know, truthfully, I, I, I can't win or lose ball games, but the atmospheres that we create can give us a little bit of a competitive edge. And for a team that's been gone for three weeks, right, they want to come home and they want to play in front of 20,000 people. So, again, my, my team was on it and they had everything. But, that's the crazy part about what we do is it's just always something, right? I'm in Orlando talking about football, but have to keep an eye on basketball. Our volleyball team actually plays in the Sweet 16 on Thursday. So it's just constantly something. Um, but that's the stuff I love. And that, that's the part of all of it that that keeps driving me. 
And you talk about that competitive edge. I mean, that is so important across sports. It's important on the college university side. It's important on the uh, on the pro side. And I think that it, it is not lost on the coaches of all of those teams. So you just mentioned three programs just in the last answer, football, basketball, and, and did you say volleyball? Yes. Volleyball, yeah. Volleyball. I, I told I mentioned the no sleep thing, right? Yes. <laughs> so there are there are facility there are faculties for each of those teams, and all of them are looking at you, going, Alicia, what are you going to do? What? How are you going to make this special? But you have to make it special for all of them. So, like, how do you balance that? Yeah, um, you know, we we have we talk a lot about you know cohesiveness and communication and. You know, truthfully, you you've got to to make sure everybody's pulling together and pulling together early, right? We we start hosting volleyball and soccer in August, um, and our goal is that we are still hosting baseball the second week of June. So there's not much downtime, and there are not many days off. So for each of our different cohorts that are working for the the different sports and the different groups, they've got to work ahead and they've got to communicate early. Um, you know, you mentioned coaches, right? Coaches have a vested interest in what we are doing. Um, some more so than others, right? Some are going to ask more questions and some are going to be more engaged into every little detail of what we're doing. Uh, but I have found the more we communicate with them on the front end, the better it makes the whole thing. Um, and the more that we can show that our teams, our groups from the external side of things are are thinking about their sport well before event day or well before competition season starting. Right. Like we can't drive 20,000 fans to basketball by just starting today for a game tonight. Right. You you have to start your season ticket sales campaigns early. You have to drive, you know, a, attendance and awareness and brand, all that stuff early. If you're going to be able to have these moments where we can build this entertainment and build everything excitingly. So um, it, it's a lot, like I said, and it's a lot of getting everybody kind of uh, all on the same page and working in the same direction. Um, but like I said, when I was younger, I liked be I liked playing sports for the team aspect. So I love being on a team and working with all those different people to make those things happen. Team looks a little bit different for me now. I don't really wear a uniform, um, but I am still leading a team to try to get things done. For sure. How much how much does that play into though the fact that you have that background in playing team sports to leading your teams? How how does that that intersect? Yeah, so um, the older I have gotten, the more I've looked back and thought, um, I was really always the person on the team that was like the glue, right? Of I wasn't the best player. I I was just the one that got along pretty well with everybody. And, you know, my coach would take me out of the game and ask me what was wrong with the best player on our team. And that's kind of the role I've always played of like being the connector, um, being the one to hopefully see the big picture, see all the things going on. So having that experience growing up and probably just that personal experience of who I am um, has really, I think, opened the doors for my career and kind of led me to where I am. 
So um, during our, our conversation, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, not just creating the fan environment, not just what you have to do with coaches, but there are also like sponsors involved as well. And, you know, generating revenue everywhere is kind of a, a, a big deal. So I I know I asked you this before, but I'm going to ask you again because I loved your response. Like, who is more difficult to share a vision with? Is is it is it more difficult for because you're a visionary, you absolutely are a visionary, but is it more difficult to share a vision with a sponsor who might be a, a CEO of or a head of a, a corporation, or maybe say the head coach of one of your your uh, teams? Um I know that I said something along the lines of they're both type A personalities and a lot of times they're very similar. Um but it really truly depends on the situation, right? It, it, some people are easier to to get them to buy into the big picture than others. Um, you know, it, it really starts with us, with our sponsorship team, um, and, and they are bought into what we are trying to do. So as they are going out and as they are selling and as they are engaging with the CEOs and the different groups of our, our sponsor, um, you know, whoever it may be, they are helping sell that vision from the first conversation that they are having. So getting them bought in, then in return helps us on event night, right? Because you and I talked about this, like sometimes it's hard to get sponsors to understand, like, I promise we're going to get your promotion in. It just may not be at the exact spot you think it's going to be. Because if we score a touchdown and we go up seven and we're about to run out on defense, we may audible a little bit. Right. Like we may do something that keeps the energy really high and keeps the fans really engaged, but we'll get it in. I promise we'll get it in. And building that trust and convincing everybody of we're going to make this the best event we possibly can, but it just might not look like what it looks like in that script you're holding or with that script that you got in your email. Um, I think that's the hardest part because you know, we, we all know this when you're producing events, like there's these moments that you can't recreate, right? The teams created it, the energy's there, they've gone on some sort of run. And you just at times don't want to do certain things that brings the energy down. Let's keep the energy up. And so, you know, again, that just doesn't happen on event day. Those are conversations we have to have much earlier. Everybody's got to be bought into that vision. Um, so long way to say uh, coaches and CEOs sometimes are the same. <laughs> um, and, and getting them to see the, the vision, it just it takes a lot of time and getting the whole team, you know, whether it's the, the football chief of staff or you know, the director of operations for the sport to, you know, I mentioned this to you, like, we meet with them regularly. We want them to know what we're doing um, so that hopefully there are less questions on event day and they trust us to do our jobs in those big moments. So I don't, I I, um, I think I shared a little bit. We, we were talking about the similarities between the professional sports and the college and university sports, right? And and when we met, we shared that a little bit. For those of you who don't know my background, I was with in the NBA for a, a, a lot, a lot, a lot of years. And I will share with you just a very similar story to that. We were in, uh, this was a long, long time ago, but um, the Pistons were facing the Orlando Magic. Ironically, you're in Orlando right now. And they had, um, they were down three, in the series and had come back to force a game seven and the game seven was at home. And I will tell you that 
from the moment that we went to the camera on the locker room, in the locker room, our fans went insane. They yeah. stood up, they went insane and they went nuts. And, and during that moment, I decided, okay, we're just going to have to, it's going to have to be all about the fans. Right. I will tell you, Alicia, I did not do one sponsor feature the entire game, the entire game. And our uh, executive vice president of marketing and sponsorships sat right behind me. <laughs> I sat there with my head down. The, I never looked at him. I never looked at him. So how do you handle those those kind of situations when it's a tough conversation? But you may have to say, hey, listen, we didn't get it done this time. But, but look, we won. And I think that year we went on to win an NBA, cha- NBA championship. So it all worked out. But how do, so how do you handle those conversations? So good and bad, you know, the, the, what I joke about, um, in college athletics, we just wear a lot more hats than, you know, people in the professional ranks do. So, um, I can't sit behind myself. Right. So if somebody was sitting (laughs) behind me mad that we weren't doing the marketing and the sponsor stuff, it would be myself because I oversee all those areas too. Right. So, um, for my group that actually puts the headset on and calls the games, Um, they know that I have their back and that I am working diligently every single day to make sure our relationships are really high, whether it's with the coaching staffs or, you know, our our sponsorship team so that when they make that decision, right, nobody's breathing down their neck. It's just, it's a conversation that I'll have and I'll stop. And to your point, would you rather win game seven and go on and win the NBA championship? Or would you rather me have, sucked the energy that we it was just a unique situation right like from the time that you put that camera on the locker room your fans were just bought in right they were bought in the energy was there and you made a decision to go with it and that's why you were in that chair that's why you had that headset on and hopefully everybody trusted you to do that I, I I probably am the trust them and let them do their jobs person now in my career. Uh, um, there's a lot less putting the headset on and, and, and calling at this point or at this stage of my career. That well, is that's so, where my passion lies. That's so important. And and I will tell you that the story had a good ending because when he walked, because he would have to walk past me then to go back to the tunnel. And when he walked past me, he he did give us all a good job. So it, it, it ended it well. Out. <laughs> I'm sure out. you were very anxious for four quarters, but it worked out. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I was. Like I said, I didn't turn around and look back. I was just completely focused on the court. So um, I want to switch a little bit and ask you about like kind of you have so many so many things going on and talk about wearing a lot of hats. You you absolutely do. And, and I, you know, come. Coming from where I am, I, I look at what you're doing and I say, how on earth can you keep that many sports, that many teams, that many balls in the air going? But but let's talk about personally and, and private. How do you keep it together? Like, like what do you do to relax? <laughs> um, I read actual books. I don't read on a Kindle. I don't read it on my phone because I look at so many screens all the time. Um, I do joke that I only read probably May, June, July. And then some in December. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have a minute. Um, I, I I do try to exercise regularly, whether it's yoga or I, I could walk for hours. Um, again, having lived in Florida for as long as I lived in Florida, there is something about sunshine and just being outside that helps me clear my mind. 
now I've had to change my routine a little bit because um, the weather in Knoxville is not as great from November to April as it was in Gainesville. Um, so, you know, I had a mentor. Um, she is what what I would consider one of the best in the business in college athletics. Um, tell me it's different for everybody, right? You got to figure out what works for you. And if you if I can unplug for a few hours, maybe cook dinner, um, I have found that that works for me. Now, there's plenty of other people that that doesn't work for, right? They they need a full evening. They need to go to the movies. They need a 12 hours of sleep. Um, but that's not my reality. And I, I have just found what works. Um, luckily, I've got, you know, a really great support system. Um, I'm, I'm not married, don't have kids, but my family, my parents, my brother, um, they get what I do. Um, and they don't make me feel guilty about it. Um, so when and where they can come say hello to me, they do that. And then I, I've got some really good friends as well that are super supportive. Um, no, I work way too much. And that's that's probably the thing I try to work through the most. I do work a lot. I, I can't shy away from that. So Right. right. We talked about it a little bit in, in our last time we met um, about how working in sports is really a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, there I, I think I shared with you that I used to tell um, people that I was interviewing for roles within the team. I used to tell them all the time. There are no holidays in the NBA. You're going to work Christmas. You're going to work New Year's. You're going to work evenings and weekends and all of those things. So given that, what would be your advice to a young woman who was going into who 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 felt like they wanted to go into a life of sports? What would what would be your advice other than run other than run the other way? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What what would be your advice to them? Yeah, um, I actually think the lifestyle answer was what we realized. You and I were kindred spirits because um, I do think we we view it the same way. Um, you know, what I would tell my younger self or what I would tell anyone trying to get into this business is, again, the whole you have to find what works for you. And it is going to ebb and flow throughout your career. Right. You're going to have times where, you know, working seven days a week or every evening, um, you you get in the routine and you can do it and you find those little pockets of time that it works. And then you have times in your life that like that is just not what you want. And so then you got to figure out what it is you you do want to do. Um, it's not easy. Um, and walking in with a positive mind frame of how you want to approach it and how you're going to deal with it um, is probably the only thing you can do. Because again, it it is not for the faint of heart. You're going to work so many evenings, so many weekends. You're going to miss, you know, birthdays and weddings and family events because, in the entertainment industry, in the sports world, everything happens in the evening and on weekends. So you got to work all week to make sure you're ready for all those things. It's not like, oh, I'll take Monday off and I'll be ready for Tuesday. That, that just doesn't work that way. Um, so, you know, find the things that work for you. Have an open mind, but but do realize it's going to be a lot of hard work and it's going to be a lot of long days along yeah. the way. Yeah. And there's a lot of those nights that um, I used to say all the time, it, it looks really glamorous when you're winning NBA titles and when your team is really well. But talk to me on a Tuesday night. I, I'm in Detroit, Michigan, obviously. So talk to me on a Tuesday night in February when the team lost by 40 and I'm walking out of the arena at midnight. Like I'm like I, I used to say to my staff all the time, the glamour of the NBA right here. <laughs> here it is. So, um, you know, I, I know the other thing I'll add there, um, you know, who you work with 
And like on those nights, like, are you walking out of the arena at midnight when you've just gotten beat by 40 with people you really want to be around? Um, because at the end of the day, you're going to end up spending so much time with those people that you work with. Like, make sure you take the job for the right reasons and that the people are who you want to be around. Because if you take a job where the people aren't right or the culture is not right or the atmosphere is not right, that's going to run you out of the industry, I think, quicker than even the hours or, you know, if you're if you're passionate about it, you can handle the hours. But if you work with people you don't get along with, it's just really hard, really, really hard. What do you look for? What What are some of the attributes or some of the traits that you look for when you're hiring somebody for your team? Yeah, um, attitude and approach are really where I start, right? There's a lot of super talented people um, in college athletics or in the entertainment industry, um, within the pros, within the the college um, scene. But how are they to be around? How is their attitude? Um, How do they handle those seven straight days of working? And how do they treat their teammates when they're tired? Now, I need people who can think on their feet and make decisions and, you know, put plans together and be logical and organized and all those things. But truth be told, the first thing that I am looking for is attitude and approach. Um, And when I call anybody about references, I need to know how they are to work with um, how their teammates view them and then, you know, how how they respond to being pushed. Right. My last two stops both places have wanted to be the best in the country. Um, so we're going to be competitive and we're going to work hard. And how does everybody respond to that? That's uh, I, I couldn't agree more because I think that that is imperative. Like you, if you have somebody with a, with a bad attitude that's on your team, it makes everybody miserable. It really does. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of switch it a little bit. Like what is, um, if somebody does have a bad attitude, how do you make those adjustments? And 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 what? How would you approach like kind of trying to turn the tide? Yeah, um, I'm very much a a one on one communicator. If if we need to have a what I would call difficult conversation, um, you know, difficult conversations in the moment are hard, and at times you may want to avoid them or you may not want to do them, but. In my experience, if you'll have the difficult conversation with someone, if they're willing to learn and if they are coachable, then they're going to hear you and hopefully they're going to grow from that. Um, I, I don't like to call people out in front of others. Um, I'm it, If I am yelling, I have am beyond angry. Um, I, I try to stay very even keel. I try to stay very patient. Um, but I, I very much believe especially like I'm on a college campus. So a lot of our, you know, workers, sometimes I've known them since they were students, right? I've known them since they were 18, 19, 20 years old. And so they don't know everything. Or, you know, you have a lot of entry level people that this is their first job. So you've got to teach them, right? That's also a part of being on the college campus is we've got to teach and lead and, and help show people how to actually do the job. Um, Sometimes I feel like in our industry, we just expect everybody to know, like we expect the students to like walk into our department and like know what a, what a timing sheet is, right? Or know what, where the team is, is coming from. Or, you know, we have a lot of students who run cameras for us for events. 
they don't know where every section is. They don't know right. where the band is. Like those are things they have to learn. And so, um, you know, having the patience, but then also sitting them down, having the difficult conversations and then just teaching them along the way. Um, I'm not always perfect at that, but I, I try really hard in those areas. I have two questions kind of leading off of that. First off, what's your what's your biggest red flag? Biggest red flag that you see when you're when you're either from somebody who's already on your staff or somebody that you may be looking to add add to your staff. If we have the one-on-one conversation and they don't respond or they don't see it, right? You need somebody to meet you halfway in those difficult conversations. And if they just don't see it pretty quickly, I know like this is just, this is not going to work. That's the vetting process of getting full-time staff members and talking to as many people as I can talk to, to ask as many questions as I can ask um, is, is so important. But again, like we have so many students that come in and out, we interact with so many people and new people every year, um, you get kind of good about even their body language of how they walk in a room and like how they present themselves and how they answer questions of like how engaged they're actually going to be, right? How are they going to handle feedback? How are they going to actually, you know, how thorough are they going to be to do the tasks that we need them to do? Um, are they here to really learn or is it they just want the experience to put it on a resume and graduate from college? So it's it's so it's so funny. And and you've just kind of struck a nerve for me because, you know, students, you're right. They might come in just for a season, right? Just for a a small amount of time. And you mentioned like, they might not know where the section is and they might not know, you know, what happens in these situations. And I, it just remi- it reminds me back to um, that my, uh, the dance team days, right? And, sure. and when we would bring in a new group of dance team, uh, dance team members, a lot of them were there for different reasons, right? Some of them just thought that they were going to be the next star. Some of them truly took it as a professional dance dance experience like but but they always were put up on a pedestal right the dance team was like everything started with the Lakers girl and I used to have a, a conversation with them every year and I would go in and I would say you guys need to prepare you need to like if somebody asks you you know who the starting point guard is for the Pistons you need to know because if you're dancing for that team and you don't know that like you're going to be written off you're going to be written off. And I think as women, we experienced that more. And I think that's why I always took the time with the dance team to really, you know, because we would send them on media runs. Right. And, and they might be sure they might be out talking to, you know, the press or they might be on a radio station doing an interview. We used to always deliver opening night gift packages. Right. So here's the jersey. Here's the basketball. Here's all those things. And, and the radio stations would bring the dancers on. And I used to, I used to always tell them if one of those radio DJs asks you a question about the team, you need to know how to answer that. So how do you take all of the knowledge that you have on kind of experiences that you've gone through and, and, and convince the students that they need to put the work in? Yeah. Um, you know, truthfully dance team, spirit, band, um, mascots, our students, they're all brand ambassadors, right? T- to your point of they are an extension of us, of the university, of the team. Um, and 
no, they may not have the same knowledge that I have, but they need to be able to talk intelligently about what we're doing or what we're trying to do. Um, and so, again, the amount of time that it you really need to invest in people and invest in, you know, other leaders that I have or, or again, like we talk like. I've got 16 sports on campus. So we've got 16 different groups that are working with the 16 different sports. Like I can't be everywhere every single day, but can those groups talk intelligently about their team, about the brand that we're building, about, you know, whatever it may be from an entertainment or sales side or, you know, attendance. Um, I, I think investing in the people and getting them, your question earlier, getting them to see the bigger vision. Right. The, our strategic plan, our athletic director is very transparent in where he wants us to go. So are we all bought into that vision of what we're trying to do? Right. We've got the five different pillars underneath the big vision. But if we all understand what that North Star is, then hopefully we can all work towards that, whether we're full time staff, whether we're students, whether we're the dance team. Um, whether we're a band member carrying a tuba around, right? Like we need all of right. those people bought into everything we're doing. It is so, it's so funny, Alicia, because the similarities that I find between you and I, that that term brand ambassadors, I used to, I used to tell the dance team every year, you guys are our brand ambassadors. That's so true. So I'm going to pivot just I'm a little. I'm convinced we've met at some point throughout our career I, yeah, two I weeks ago. To, I, I said it from the beginning. I'm convinced about it too, but um, I'm going to switch a little bit because I'm trying to monitor like the questions that are kind of coming in too. One of the things that um, we talked about that, that I want to hear more about talking about brand and brand ambassadors and and finding the right fit for brands let's talk a little bit about um your jump man at florida the the sure. the the, the um conversation i keep saying wanting to say conversation but the relationship that you built with the jump man brand yeah so um again forgive me i don't remember what year it was um a lot has happened That's okay. in the last 13, 14 years. Um, the Jordan brand was looking to get a broader base across college athletics. And they they basically wanted to pick one um, member of each Power Five conference. So within the SEC, Florida was chosen. Um, they were chosen for a number of reasons, but men's and women's basketball or basketball success, football success, and then whole athletic department success, with, success was really the, the driving force. Um, we had been Nike forever. Um, they had never not been a, a Nike school. So making the jump to to Jordan um, put them in a little bit more elite status. Um, and the institution at the time was striving to be a, a top five public institution also. So all of this was working hand in hand that athletically here we are striving to be this elite brand. Um, and then on the university side, they were trying to be a top five public institution. So here we are trying, you know, whatever it is, all boats rise or the whole saying, whatever that saying is. Um, <laughs> so we were all trying to pull together, but um, that was difficult because the Jordan brand um, truthfully didn't have much background in football. Um, so football uniforms, football cleats, football gear. Um, as we all know, the Jordan brand was really based on basketball, basketball shoes, basketball uniforms, basketball lifestyle. Um, so they were trying to grow that brand, right? And then they're trying to grow it across the country with with 
five different um, institutions and, and Florida happened to be one of them. Um, it was exciting. It was hard. Um, you know, Nike is a really big organization that sometimes working with them and getting everything you need, just the multiple levels of layers that there are. Um, Jordan's smaller, but it's so exclusive that it all, it was it was difficult for different reasons than the Nike relationship. Um, but again, it was very cool to be a part of. And for that university, again, we were the only school in the SEC to do it. Um, we were one of five schools across the country that did it. Um, it was really, really good for our brand at that time to, to be one of those programs. It, it it hurts my heart a little bit because, you know, I am a bona fide bad boy. I started with the bad boys. And so Michael Jordan was kind of like a bummer for me. But uh, but but I do recognize <laughs> that that had to do so much for your football players, really, to kind of elevate and just give them a little swagger. Do you think it, it really did? Um, our student athletes were so excited about making the transition. Um, so, uh, again, it was really good for our, our university and our brand as a whole, but then it was really exciting for our student athletes too. Listen, I want to be, I want to keep aware of your time because I know you're also very busy down there, but we have what we have a question that's going to be a little bit of a pivot. We've talked a lot about college students. We've talked a lot about motivating college students and encouraging college students. But what would you say, like, what's some, some things that you would say to maybe a high school student who was, was thinking about, you know, they're getting ready to go off to college and thinking about their, their major and what they're going to do. And, you know, when I first started, there wasn't a sports marketing degree and there wasn't a game operations degree, but but what would you say to a high school student who was maybe shopping around and looking and thinking about a, a life in, in sports? Yeah, so um, I did not choose my major until the end of my sophomore year. Um, again, I didn't get my first internship until the end of my sophomore year. So um, don't place too much pressure on yourself, right? And what you want to do at the start of your college career may be different than what you want to do at the end of your college career. But do yourself a favor and try as many things as you can while you're in college. Um, we have a ton of students that start in, let's say, the ticket operations office, and they quickly realize that's not what they want to do, right? Well, being on a college campus, then they can move to event management. Well, is that what they want to do? Or do they maybe want to try, you know, the the fan experience and, and, you know, production side of things? Well, if that's not it, do they go to sponsorship? So it's okay to figure out in college what you don't want to do as much as it is figuring out what you do want to do. So as a high school student, I keep your your mind open, stay curious, um, ask a ton of questions. Um, you know, most universities, most colleges, um, if you think you want to work in athletics, your freshman year, walk into the athletic department, there will be someone within that athletic department that will help you. Um, it may not be the athletic director, it may be an assistant director of ticket operations, but walk in and try to build a connection early on in your college career. Um, and the other thing that I would say, again, a girl who grew up in a town of 3,000 people, push yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, when I went to Virginia Tech, again, it was about 30,000 students. So it was instantly bigger than anything I had ever done in my entire life. Um, I have a Southern accent. I'm not sure that you've noticed. <laughs> so 
meeting people from all these different places from Northern Virginia and, you know, the Northeast and again, moving to Florida and meeting people from Miami and all over the country. Um, they usually remembered the dark haired girl with the Southern accent is usually what I like to, to joke. <laughs> First athletic director that I ever worked for. That's legit. How he remembered me is that the dark headed girl that works down in marketing with the Southern accent. So it, things will work out. Right. You'll have things and you'll if you take a positive attitude, if you keep an open mind, if you stay curious, um, people will find a way to remember you and you'll find a way to figure out what you want to do. The best part of that, though, is that he remembered you. Right. Yeah. So he remembered you. However, he remembered you. He remembered you and he remembered you in a positive light. So I've joked my entire career. I've been the dark headed girl in marketing. (laughs) I love, I love it. And I, and I am going to share that I've got twin daughters that are just getting ready to embark on, on what's next after their high school year. So I'm going to share those nuggets with them um, sure. as soon as they get, I don't know, the way, I don't even know where they're at right now. They're here in this house somewhere. But um, well, listen, I, I know that we have a list. I think Melissa and, and Vail put together a list of your kind of favorite books and and some of your favorite quotes and um, things that you would want to share. So what what is your I hesitate to say, what are you reading right now? Because I think you're not quite to your December break where you might not be reading quite yet. But but of the books that you shared with us, what would be your number one? Like, read this, read this now. Well, I did have to take a flight this morning, so I did start reading. A book. I love it. I love it. But okay, it's like a reading? holiday book. It's nothing serious. So it was very much just to occupy my mind. Um of the books on the screen, um, I'll give you two. Um, okay. Year of Yes, because, um, again, I work so much. And I don't know what you know about Shonda Rhimes and what she's built. And um, she took a year that she said yes to everything that she normally would say no to. Right. Friends wanting her to go to movies or a family vacation or all the stuff that throughout her life she had been like, no, I can't do that. I have to work. Or no, I can't do that. I just want to go home. It it's just relatable for me. Um, I do spend a lot of time working, and so many times I'm like, no, I can't do that. Um, when sometimes I just need to say yes, I can do it, and and just go. Um, the other is grit. Um, I identify a lot with this book. Um, again, I I will outwork anybody. Um, I may not be the smartest person in the room. I may not be the most creative, but I am going to outwork anybody. Um, and I truthfully believe that's what's opened doors in, in my career and in my life. Um, so I, I would highly recommend either one of those. Well, I know that um, our, our team is, Melissa's just kind of telling me, Melissa's my coach along the way, if you haven't noticed. She, she like keeps me online on stage. So I want to say thank you to Melissa and Bale for, for always keeping me kind of in a straight low. We, we're going to share this list out afterwards so that everybody can kind of share in it and, and look at it. Um, Alicia, what did I miss? Don't let me miss anything. What did I miss? Anything that, that maybe I didn't bring up that you were like, hey, we were going to talk. I know we were going to talk about drum lines, but I didn't get to that. But what, but what else did I did I miss anything that you really want to share with the group? I, I guess the I guess you and I both can jump in this topic, hopefully really quickly. Um, working in athletics and in professional sports um, as a female, it can be difficult. It can be hard. Um, there can be 
I, I'm on a trip right now where I am the only woman and I've got like 10 other guys that are with me. Um, don't let that discourage you. Don't let that slow you down. Um, again, I had never met Diane until two weeks ago and we are like kindred spirits that view all of this the same. And there are other women out there um, that that have done what you want to do, that have worked really, really hard. Um, and just keep that in mind as you go throughout your career. And don't be afraid. And don't yeah. be afraid. Like if I, I'll jump in and give my two cents too. Like if I could go back and, and take away fear from my vocabulary, I just think about uh, the things that I might have might have tried. So uh, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I we shared with each other like, yes, I can completely relate to being the only female in the room. And um, I will tell you, you know, still to this day, there's a lot of meetings that I, I have been a part of that I'm, I'm the only female. So we need to change that. We need yes. to change that. And I will tell you, I, I said this to one of my interns and, and I will, I, I'm sure that you will feel this way. I went into a meeting, this was back when I was with the Pistons, and I walked into the room and one of our interns, we had a big conference table, but this was a meeting that had a lot of people. And one of our interns was sitting, I generally sat at the head of the table, not that I had to, it was just kind of habit, that's where I went sat. And she was sitting at the chair next to where I would have been sitting. And then another person came in, and he was a male, a gentleman, and she stood up and moved. And she stood up and moved to the back row. And in that moment, I just grabbed her and I said, no, her name's Nicole. I said, Nicole, no, don't give up your seat. You, you got here first. You take that seat. You pull And I pulled her back up and she was really uncomfortable. I think when I did it, (laughs) but I did it. And so that's what, what I would say too, like, yes, we might be the only females in the room, but if we don't take that spot, then, then we're not going to create more spots for, for others. So, um, you know, I just I I applaud everything that you've done. Um, I look at what you're doing and I think, man, I you know I feel like I juggled a lot during my uh, game ops experience and in all of everything that I did. But you're juggling a lot. You've got a lot going on. So um, I I applaud you. I absolutely do. Um, thank you, I, and thank I you think- for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dectronics Experience Podcast. Please subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts to keep up with our latest episodes.